What's up, everybody? It's Miles Turner, the Indiana Pacers. You're listening to the Pacers Podcast. Be sure to follow at Pacers on Twitter. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Pacers Podcast, the only Australian NBA podcast with a bias towards the Indiana Pacers. And coming to you on YouTube today for a very special reason. You can see the three of us, so you should be able to see the three of us if you're watching this on YouTube. Uh, and we, we've been able to achieve something that we've been wanting to achieve for the last 16 months that we've been doing this show. I think um, to give you guys a very short story of how this podcast came together, uh, Alex is obviously an incredibly uh, popular Twitter poster with his content. I reached out to Alex, hadn't met him before, suggested that we run a podcast. Alex and Justin connected, the three of us connected, and then we met for the very first time and recorded the very first episode of this show after throwing around some ideas uh, in chat. And, and that was kind of how it went. So uh, that's where the show started. And on that night that we recorded the first episode, we all looked at each other and said, imagine if we got Kevin Pritchard. And at that point in time, it just seemed like a dream. It was not something that we ever expected to happen. But uh, Justin, full credit to you. You run our Twitter account. And I know that uh, that you've been working on uh, the campaign, KP to Paceroos. Um, Alex, you did a lot of great work with the videos for that campaign. And We've connected with KP quite a while ago. This has been a long time in the making to be able to get him on the show. But um, Justin, I'll start with you. A uh, lot of legwork involved here. Um, how surreal was it? Yeah, exactly right. And we won't bore the viewers to how much kind of legwork we did put into it. It's not just shooting a message. Oh, awesome. Yep, done. Interview over. Um, it was a lot of groundwork. And, you know, the way we've recorded episodes for over a year now we want to portray to the paces we're a good podcast um very surreal but you know like i was mentioning you guys team effort it doesn't happen without the three of us and yeah it's pretty surreal like i've obviously done a lot within the paces organization on my trips there but um sitting down with the gm actually you know us being able to ask any question we want kp didn't say you know we can't ask this we asked any question we wanted um yeah very surreal moment he was really open. And Alex, I know that there's a couple of answers that he gave that made us kind of uh, go, wow, that's that's not yep. what I was expecting you to say. Um, how did it feel for you to, to interview KP one-on-one, a guy that you would like to be your employer one day? Uh, <laughs> and uh, was there anything that stuck out about the interview that made you go, wow, I can't believe that's something that came out as part of this process? I mean, right off the bat, it was just how nice he was. I mean, none of us really knew how the interview was going to go. We thought it might have been 10 minutes, 15 at the most. But he came in, he said, ask me whatever you want. Uh, You know, he he said he appreciated everything we do. So to hear that come from the president of the Pacers is pretty pretty unbelievable. And, you know, it goes to show that the work we do doesn't just, it's not for nothing, you know. Obviously, it's it's great that we have a lot of of people listening to our show, but to get him on is just unbelievable and, yeah, I think for, from the interview, I think it was how candid he was. You know, he was really open about the mistakes he made in the past. Um, you guys will hear that. Some of the things that he said that he regretted and, and some of the things he's looking forward to with this team. So it's a great interview and it was a, it was a great opportunity to get to, to talk to him. It was really eye-opening and I think um, the, the things that stuck out for me and I think the, the things that we'll probably talk about in future episodes, the first answer that he gave regarding, uh, or one of the first answers he gave regarding Paul George, um, the answer about Lance uh, was really eye-opening. 
Um, the Miles Turner trade stuff, which uh, I wasn't expecting. And I know there was another interview that KP did where he dropped in similar information um, and, you know, so open and honest. And um, I, I think, you know, at this point, I'd like to take the opportunity to thank the listeners, the viewers, the followers on all of our social media platforms, because for three guys halfway across the world, I mean, we couldn't be further away from Indianapolis if we tried. Uh, but we've been able to grow a show. We've been able to grow a listener base. We've been able to connect with Pace's Twitter, Pace's Instagram. Um, we've been on you know, Pace's Facebook, Pace's Reddit, uh, all around the social media landscape. And none of this would be possible without the Pacers fans sort of reaching out to us and, and uh, giving us those good vibes and thanking us for what we do. And we thank them for, for following us along the way. I mean, Justin, it just goes to show the Pacers are a community club. We're part of that community, um, even though we're so far away. Oh, definitely. I think I tweeted out last night from my personal account. I think Pacers treat international fans the best out of any sporting club. Um, from, from what I've heard, like everything they've done for me and, you know, KP doesn't have to go on this Australian podcast for nearly an hour. Like, exactly, there's no yeah. reason for him to. He's so busy. Um, like, you know, he even mentioned in the podcast how much he works per week. You guys will hear that soon. Um, you know, for him to take nearly an hour out of his day to speak to three Australians, it just shows what um, the international fan base kind of means to the Indiana Pacers. Whereas I feel like if it was another NBA team, like, I don't know, maybe the Celtics or Lakers, there would just be no interest from their organization to do something like this. It's really crazy. It's um, it was an honor. It was a privilege. Um, Alex, I know that you're a, an, a late, right. A late to bed, late to rise. How was it getting up at five, six o'clock in the morning to interview someone so important? I mean, if, if I'm going to get up in the morning, it's going to be for someone like KP, isn't it? I mean, for anyone <laughs> that knows me, a 10 a.m. start for me is about a 5 a.m. start for most people. So <laughs> I don't think many of us got any sleep, but it was uh, well worth it. Yeah, I uh, I must say, excuse the lighting, excuse the half asleep <laughs> looks on our faces. It was very, very early. Um, yes. If I compare the the video of the interview to the video right now, we, we look a little bit more fresh faced. Although, Justin, you've been 18 holes deep with no sunscreen on, mate. So you need to uh, probably slip slop and slap a little bit more. But uh, I think, yeah. yeah, it it was it was one hell of a surreal experience uh and we invite you to to watch it and enjoy it um like our uh, our page subscribe to our podcast either on youtube uh on spotify on apple uh wherever you get your podcasts uh, wherever you consume your content we are there um and yeah we uh we'd like to now throw to the interview with kevin pritchard the president of basketball operations with the indiana pacers enjoy this has been the paceroos Welcome back to the Paceroos podcast. We are absolutely thrilled. It is our absolute honor and privilege to have Kevin Pritchard on the podcast. It's uh, been a dream of ours for a long time to, uh, to have a guest of Kevin's caliber. And Kevin, thank you so much for giving of your time today for three guys from Melbourne, Australia. Love it, man. I'm, I'm, I'm honored to be on it, to be honest with you. I've never been to Australia. I've been all over the world. I played in Europe for many years and played in NBA and uh, have traveled the world, but I've always wanted to go and I've had some friends there and they've said uh, some of the basketball, it's, it's incredible and it's an important sport. So I'm, I'm glad to be on. 
Absolutely. I mean, the basketball landscape in Australia has been growing for the past probably 10 years and, and has recently come to the floor. Um, you obviously would be scouting. You'd have scouts that are out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but we want to we start from the beginning of your journey with the Pacers. We know that sure. you were thrust sure. into the spotlight in terms of the media when Larry Bird chose to, to leave his post and, and you took over. And very, very quickly, you got, um, were under a lot of pressure to trade a star player or to accommodate a star player's wishes. So um, we just wanted to understand the pressure of that situation. Um, you're not, you weren't new to the role, of course, but it was right. a specific situation and it was right at the beginning of your journey as uh, the main man with the Indiana Pacers. So sure. can, you, um, can you take us through what those first few weeks and months were like? Well, I'll give you a story that not many people know, and that is um, I had been Larry's, uh, Larry Bird's general manager for, I don't know, I'm going to say five, six, seven years, something like time flies in this business seems. But even going before that, when I was in, uh, in Portland, I'd got let go. I was kind of around the house and, you know, Larry Bird calls and I'm, I'm like, Nah, it's not. That's somebody making a practical joke. But <laughs> we had played together for a, a little bit. But, you know, we, we weren't that close at that point in time. But he called me and he said, hey, listen, I know you're, you know, you're free. I don't really have a spot. But can you, you come help out and kind of watch the team and give me some of your feedback? And so for a year there, which I think was about 12 years ago, if I'm not mistaken, I just watched the Pacers and uh, tried to give him some feedback. Uh, we, I remember him and I were watching a little draft uh, stuff together, and, and so we, we developed a, a relationship, and the next year he said, hey, come and be part of the organization, and then I moved up uh, ultimately to, to president. But the thing I think will define what Larry is about is um, he called me into his office, and he also called uh, Herb Simon, who owns the Pacers, who is one of the most amazing human beings and kind and caring and really loves the, the, the Pacers. He called us in and we, I didn't know what it was about. And he goes, uh, Herbie, Hey, listen, um, I, I'd like to step down and um, I'd, I'd like to hire Kevin to take my place as the president. And wow. uh, if, if, if you agree to this, I'll stay on in some capacity for the next couple of years as, and I'll help Kevin kind of grow even more into this role. And I remember he's saying this and, and it was almost so surreal to me because here is my, my idol um, and, and Herb Simon, who is a person that, um, you know, as an owner has been unbelievable to me and developed the relationship. But when he did that, I was, sort of shocked and um it was one of those times in my life that I don't think I'll ever forget and uh what was funny about that is we probably made a deal the fastest of any deal I've ever made in my life and I agreed to a contract Larry agreed to staying on and and hopefully her was happy you'd have to ask him but it probably happened in like literally less than three or four minutes so that's my, my, my song or my story to, to becoming president. But, but what I didn't know is that the Paul George uh, situation was coming. And right when I got the job, I really made a commitment. I was trying to really over-communicate with Paul at that point in time. And so I was calling him. I was talking to his agent. 
I was telling them kind of some of the things that I would like to do and some of the players that, that, that I would like to go after. There was a couple of free agents that were showing some interest in us. Um, and uh, so we're talking. I go out. I, I fly out to uh, L.A. and I spend a couple of days with Paul and uh, felt good about it. And when I got back home, we, we got a call that uh, basically, you know, he wanted to be traded. And so it did hit me. It hit me pretty hard. You know, I wanted to have a chance to build my team. Uh, uh, not my team, our organization and, and kind of things that I wanted to do and bring in some players that I, that I thought would be complimentary. You know, Larry taught me 90% of what I know in this business, but I still wanted to implement 10% that, that were mine. And I thought Paul would have really benefited from that. And I think the one thing you've seen since Paul has not been here, we've been a successful organization. Now we haven't done as well in the playoffs. We played well against, uh, uh, LeBron and Cleveland and thought we had a chance and one call determined that that whole series Certainly but did. you know we were we, we've been competitive here and we're going to stay competitive and we we're trying to win at the highest level we've had some bad breaks you know you can't you can't you can't get by the fact that our best player two years ago uh, wasn't in the playoffs and last year Sabonis wasn't in so you know for me we don't know exactly what this team is, but I can promise you we're doing everything we can to not win. What, what I, I've, I deem super important, guys, is that you build a culture around winning, that you put people in position to be their best and you motivate them and, and you make people feel uh, great about being here. I mean, you know, we, we are obsessed with making this a great experience for players. And, and for, for staff, you know, we, we're servant leaders and, and something that we feel like is very important in the way we build these teams is we, we hire coaches, we hire, we, we get players, and then we try to do everything we can to make their life as good as it can be so they can perform on the court. So a long story is that, you know, it was a tough situation. Um, would have liked to have the opportunity to build something, but you know, in, in hindsight, getting Victor and Domas wasn't, wasn't the worst thing. I do remember that uh, the media was pretty critical when it happened. And Herb Simon, in his beauty and his, his relationship skills, he was calling me every day and saying, listen, we're all in this together. Yeah, you're getting hit, but you shouldn't worry about that one bit because I'm standing right next to you. You, you know that. And so – at the end of the day, when an owner says that, like, look, I got your back. I know this is tough. This is a tough job, guys. These are no joke, challenging, nonstop from the moment you – I was asked – I was just asked this here recently. How many hours you work? And my, my first response was, well, how many hours am I awake? Because I can tell you exactly yeah. how many hours I'm working. You know, it's not These are jobs. These are lifestyles. So yeah. – but we love it. We love it. We're obsessed about – you know, giving these players a great opportunity because at the end of the day, it's all about the players and going out there and competing. And if you do yeah. that, you, I think you see for us the last three or four years that that that, uh, that we've done this under my leadership and, you know, Larry obviously very influential. You know, our players have played really well and above their above their level. And, and so we, we really want that. And we're, we keep bringing in good kids, good kids, good young men, 
and let them develop and let them uh, succeed at the highest level. Yeah, that's really good. I think it's an awesome segue to our next question, KP, and that's, uh, we'll stick on the pass for one more question. That's, uh, you kind of did answer it there a bit, but do you ever get frustrated when former players come out in the media and maybe not not bag the franchise, but don't speak highly of them? You know, something recently came out, I won't kind of right. mention who, but said, you know, oh, the Pacers don't want to win. They just want to remain competitive, which as all three of us couldn't disagree with more, I think Pacers always try and, you know, go as far as they can each year. Does that, does that frustrate you when a previous player says that or that just kind of goes above your head? Well, I always look at the, the context, right? So the context around that is, um, uh, you know, that we don't try to win, and which we all know that that's not true. We, we try to do the best of our ability. There are challenges in smaller markets. It's just the way it is. Um, we never use that as an excuse. Uh, we want to win a championship. We hired a coach who I feel like can – bring some unique talents. It's going to take some time. Is it frustrating? Of course it's frustrating because I know what we tried to do uh, with that player. And look, I, I, I'm not sure when a player leaves here, we still try to stay connected and that's important. We really try to do that. Um, but, you know, if a player has a lot of success here and then goes and maybe doesn't have as much away from here and then complains about not having success, mm -hmm. It doesn't make sense to me, you know, yeah. and I've talked to people around here. I've talked to owner, you know, can we do things better? No doubt about it. We, we try to do it every single day. We, we work on it. We, like I've said, we're obsessed of, of trying to develop a, a great culture here. So it does sting for a little bit, but then, you know, if you dwell in the past in this business, you're going to struggle in the, in the today. And so today, right now, I just, I want to focus in our guys, do everything we possibly can to give them uh, the, the opportunity to succeed and then let the cards play where they play. And uh, that's all we can do. Yeah. And, and moving on to this team, obviously the, the trajectory of the league is moving smaller every year. Teams like the Celtics, teams like the Rockets, you know, they're, they're moving into that small ball lineup. So, how, how do you see the, the longevity of Miles and Sabonis? Obviously, you know, it's talked about a lot, but seeing as they are one of the only, uh, you know, two, two big lineup in the league, how do you see that heading forward? You know, playing small, but there, there are teams that play like absolute small, and then there's small lineups within a team, mm -hmm. and then there's bigger lineups within a team. What Miles and Domas allow us to is to play big or we can go small with either one of them. We can play one of them at center and then go with the smaller four. Um, and I think you guys are – a lot of people have dug pretty deep into the numbers around that, and the numbers say that when they play together, they're pretty good. Uh, my eyes tell me that there are times when they're better and there are times when they're not as good together. But here's the biggest key for me, and that is when – when we left the bubble last year and we talked to every player and we said, so what can we do better? What, what was your experience? What's important to you? It was very interesting in the fact that both Domas and Miles unsolicited said, I want to play with that guy. I want to make it work. So I think that there's talent in this league 
and talent at, at every position that can make it work no matter what if they really want it to work. You can play with two point guards. You can play with two wings. You can play with two centers. And the way we want to play, it's not really about playing small or, or, or fast. What it really is, it's about whether you have a person who can dive in the screen and roll, Domas, and play four out, the other four guys, miles on the perimeter, and is he a good enough shooter? And the question for me is, undoubtedly, yes, you will see Miles become more of a four on offense and a five on defense. You'll see on offense, you'll see Domas at the five and four at the defense. Is it perfect in every situation? No, because, and here's the reason why, and a simple answer is, every team you play is trying to make you uncomfortable and get you in a situation you're not comfortable with. What do we do? We play too big. Sometimes that's uncomfortable for the other team. So be it. That's the way we try to play. And, and I, I would end it by saying this. At the end of the day, if the Indiana Pacers try to do what everybody else is doing, we're not going to be a playoff team, period. We can't try to assimilate to what everybody else is doing. What we have to do is figure out what we are, put them in the best position to, to succeed on the court, and lay it where it lays, right? Just see where, where, what happens and always be evaluating. We think we've got a good, very um, a, team, a team that's interchangeable, and that's what Nate wants. Could we do it better? Of course. Could we, we keep acquiring top talent player? That's our job. Um, but one of the things we like is we love the way this team fits personality because if they don't fit personality wise and chemistry wise you can forget the rest whether they make sense two centers or two point guards or whatever if they don't get along number one you can forget about the season yeah you've you've obviously spent the last couple of years building for particularly this season we've been talking about it on the podcast for the past year or so that this team was built really for this season and and moving forward i think as they acclimated to each other last season and and got ready and that was a bizarre season in and of itself but they came out the other side and and we uh, hopefully will have Jeremy Lamb back very soon and have a fully healthy team um, just a question from me on the uh, the draft of free agency process we've seen Herb Simon be heavily involved we've seen him make personal calls for the Malcolm Brogdon deal um, yep. you know we've seen varying levels of, uh, of um, involvement can you just speak about the number of people I guess that are involved in those decisions are you getting advice from um, multiple people is Larry Bird involved still heavily in in what processes yes. and and you know what goes into those decisions and and what does that inner circle of people look like so um, you know one of the things that we believe as a principle like you have to have principles and a foundation around what you're doing and a couple of years ago uh, Chad and I sat down and we did this we said what do we want this organization to be and the question really became, what does the players want this organization to be? Because I can define what I want it to be, but if they don't buy in, it's not, it's not worth it. So what we did is we grabbed my first year's president, every player, and we sat in a room. And it was like, you ever seen the beautiful mind? Is like all this stuff was on the board, and we spent literally thousands of hours talking to these guys. Maybe not thousands, but lots of hours. And we we, we, we we talked every player from Darren Collison to Thad Young to, to, to Victor to, 
to, to everybody. And, and we kind of came up and condensed it and we call it three T, which is togetherness, toughness, and trust. And that really is the moniker and helps us make every decision from there uh, going forward. The other thing that we feel like is really important is this, is I believe in agree, disagree, and unite, which means I like getting input and I like getting a lot of different input. And at the end of the day, I have to make a decision with Herb Simon. And, and him and I have these great banters back and forth because I'll talk to the scouts, I'll get their recommendations. Sometimes I agree, sometimes I completely disagree, but I'm always gonna listen and I love hearing the good debates. We call it a good debate. People, you know, they get passionate about players and so I wanna hear that passion and that comes into play. But at the end of the day, we're gonna, we're gonna agree, we're gonna dis disagree, we're gonna talk about the good and the bad and, and then it'll be uh, Herb and I talking about it. How does the financial impact? What's that? What's that look like? How does he fit culturally? Um, and, and, and to be honest with you, a lot of times pl players get weeded out because we just don't like taking chances if you don't have high character. Like we believe that there's a intrinsic value built around being a good human being, wanting to be something apart that's bigger than yourself. And so all that gets vetted, and at the end of the day, you make the best call that you can. Sometimes you, you hit it out of the park, and sometimes you fail miserably, and you got to go back and say, well, why did that work? And, and to be honest with you, we get beat up all the time, but no one could beat us up more than we beat ourselves up because we, we work hard at this because it's as a human nature business, it's literally impossible to tell the future and how people are going to perform in a different circumstance. Um, you know, we've had players where we drafted, we wish they would have played better. They'll go someplace else and play even better because of circumstance. Circumstance in this business is everything. And I mean, how many stories have you heard of, you know, that player wasn't going to play all year. And then all of a sudden you next thing, you know, he's an NBA all-star, you know, uh, I believe Golden State Warriors has a four-man that turned in an all-star because David Lee got hurt. Yep. You know, players, there's, there's a lot of talent that can come to the top. It takes opportunity. And it takes uh, probably more than anything right now, one of the things I want to be great at is I want to build confidence with an organization. You guys know this. You're with an organization. When you're confident, you write better. You speak better. You – you feel good about yourself. And so, you know, Nate, uh, Coach Nate Bjorkren, the one thing I feel great about is you love being around him because he makes you feel better about yourself. And that is a unique ability that may not come out today, but I guarantee you it will come out. It's, it's, it's apparent already. We're going to go through some bumps and bruises, but I guarantee you, his brilliance will come out because he makes people feel good about themselves. Yeah, that, that, that's awesome. And you, you talk about culture, Kevin, and, you know, you spend hours and hours trying to build a great culture with the team. And something I really want to touch on is something you've been quite vocal about, and that's um, actually letting players know up front where, when they're actually in trade discussions. Um, something that's quite rare, I think, in all sports. I, I don't know of many teams that would do this. Um, I just want your opinion on why you do that and be 
do you then expect the same respect from the players once they enter free agency? Because if you're up, you know, upfront and honest with them, do you then expect that back from them when the position's in their hand? So I give full credit to Chad Buchanan on this, our general manager. And a couple years ago when we were doing the three T exercises and we were learning about our players, Darren Collison and Thad Young, who have families at, their t- at the time that they were with us, said, can you do one thing? Can you tell us when you're getting close to trade? Maybe not in the first discussions, but if you feel like you're on the five-yard line, the 10-yard line, will you let us know? And we debated it, and we brought both those players back in, and we said, listen, we're willing to do this. We're willing to break the, the glass ceiling on the communication on one condition. And that one condition was that if you don't get traded, you come back and play your butt off. And you have the exact same respect for us for telling you as if not telling you. And what was interesting, we had a case that year with Darren where we were close and we got close and we didn't make a deal. And I remember him specifically coming back in and it's like seared into my brain at this point in time. And that is, he came up and he said, I respect you so much more now for telling me that I was potentially being traded. Are there potential pitfalls around this? A thousand percent. There's pitfalls all around it. And so what we work in on is how we tell a player, when we tell a player. And if we get to that point, we make sure that they have buy-in that if they come back, that they will have that same sense of urgency to win for us and the team as they do for themselves. Yeah, I think that's that's amazing because you see around the league, there's you know players who come out and they're frustrated when they're they're blindsided by a move from the front office. We, we okay, we had it with um, we had it with Miles this summer. We told Miles when mm. when he was in discussions, Chad Buchanan is steadfast in this, and I believe in Chad because he's a, he's one of the most emotional, t- intelligent people I've ever been around. He said we got to tell Miles right now, and we called him up. We said, listen. We're going to give you a heads up. Your name's going to be in the paper. Not because we want it, because sometimes other teams talk. We don't do that. But we knew that it was going to get into the paper. So we let him know. And when it didn't happen immediately, which happened weeks before, not weeks, but a long time before the, the media gets it, he knew he was coming back. He said, no problem. I appreciate you telling us. Yeah, and I think that's a, a, another thing with that is it's fantastic for chemistry, isn't it? Because – now Miles comes back and he understands that, you know, you guys have been 100% open with him and he'll be the same with you. So I think that's, a, that's important. But I just want to touch on back in 2014, Larry Bird made a move for Evan Turner and, you know, he made a move for Andrew Bynum. And these moves were pretty controversial from the, from the locker room standpoint. But it was a, him saying, I want to go all in. I want to win a championship this year. Right. Do you foresee that happening with this roster or do you think that you believe that you have the pieces to right now to, to compete at the highest level? Well, difficult question. And I'll give you the sort of the analogy around it. And that is, so if you're playing cards and we're all playing poker, how do you decide to go all in? Mm. Usually the answer comes back is you have a chance to win it. And obviously Larry felt that year that we were close enough that he wanted to make that roster move. We're not afraid to do it. Uh, but I, I haven't seen my hand yet. You know, so you're asking me to go all in. 
I have a feeling, just a, a gut feeling, that if we are healthy, which is a big if, we've had some challenges around that, but if we are healthy, we have a chance to be a lot better than people. And, uh, yeah, we get that the East got better, that there are a couple – amazing players that came east and that you know teams are getting healthy and their young players are developing but in my back of my mind I always think about we were a 51 equivalent win last year yeah with Victor playing uh, not at his best and so we bring back the, the 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 same team thinking that some continuity will help us um a new coach will put in a different system which which may make us dip a little bit but I know in the end it'll help us in a big way uh so the question becomes do we have the hand and my gut tells me we're close we're close and we're not we're not afraid to make a deal I've learned from the past in Portland when I was general manager we made a lot of trades all the time and we're just trying to asset build Larry has taught me there are times to trade and there was times to sit on your hands and let the team develop a relationship, a culture that they feel good about. And we have some incredible leaders on this team. I think Malcolm and Domas, you're going to see big years. I think TJ Warren is coming into his own. I think you're seeing a really special offensive player that is working his butt off on the defensive end. I think Miles can have a completely different role where he feels, look, if Miles feels good about his offense, he will be an even better defender, bar none. And I see a different Miles right now. And then we have this X factor. You know, I I spent an hour in this room uh, last night with Victor. We talked some basketball, but it was more about life. I like where his head's at. He, He still has some hurdles but we're going to support the hell out of them. And we're going to do our best to give this team the the opportunity to succeed, not in the beginning of the year, not in the middle, but if we can come together at the right time, which is incredibly difficult. It's not easy. Everybody tries to do it. But the one thing I can be promiseful of is we are not going to make quick decisions on this team. We're going to let this team be together a little bit. We're going to let this system come into place. And we're going to see where we are at the end of the year. And I'm willing to bet we're going to be pretty good. So, yeah, you mentioned about, you know, making moves and seeing where this team goes. A a bit of a fun question, KP. Obviously, we are a fan podcast and all the emails and messages we get all have one name attached to it and it is Lance Stevenson. (laughs) Um, You know, there were rumors rumors last year when Jeremy Lamb went down before COVID hit. You you may have been... We were looking at him. We were looking at him really hard. There was a rule that said if you weren't in the NBA that year, you couldn't join an NBA team after the COVID. So, yeah. you know, everybody was trying to get him. We were trying to get him. We were trying to get the rule changed. We couldn't or else Lance would have probably been on the team last year. Is that is that something you could revisit or you think that boat's probably, you know, that ship sailed now, a bit? You know, I never want to close the door because Lance has a special place here. Yeah. Um, there are times where, you know um, – how do I say this? I want to give full respect around what Lance has done and what he could do. But also, there has to be some people grow here right now for us to hit our ceiling. 
We have to give uh, Victor an opportunity to grow. We have to have Jeremy Land. You guys mentioned him. He looks good in practice, but he's still – we've got to give him. We gave him uh, – we told him when he came here, he would have a sixth, seventh man role. He would be a punch off the bench. He is perfect for that role. Um, so if we sign Lance, well, then you're telling Jeremy you're not that important. And, and I don't – I worry about that. Uh, is there a situation where Lance could come back? Sure. There's, there, you know, I don't, want to, I don't want to try to predict the future. We'll see what our hand is. If that hand, hand needs a, a player like Lance, we'll, we'll definitely look at it. I love Lance. Uh, I love what he brings. Sometimes he drove me crazy, just absolutely <laughs> crazy. But I love what he is about. And so the context is he's a special, he's a special kid. He's matured. And uh, it was an incredible experience. Of, of, and, and to be honest with you, I was probably the one that was most upset that he didn't make that all-star year that year. I was really upset that he didn't uh, make it. So I'm a big fan. I know what he brings. Uh, I've said some things in the past I wish I wouldn't have. I, told, I said one time that, you know, sometimes he's the best player on our team, sometimes the best player on, on the other team. That's totally wrong. That was me being yeah. an idiot. because He said he that hurt him. him. Yeah. And, and, and you know what was interesting? As soon as I said that, I literally got off that interview and said, what the hell did I just do? And I called him. Yeah. Um, and we, you know, he was upset, but he has a very special place here and, and, and with us. I mean, he's a, he's a unique player. We, we love what he brings. I hope I see him in the NBA this year. Yeah, definitely. Yep. Um, I'll call... kick to you, Adam, for the last question. Yeah, last question, Kevin. We thank you so much once again for being with us. Um, Glad to do it, guys. You... You could call Lance a cult hero. I think the cult hero that we have on the team at the moment, I'm the only person in the Southern Hemisphere with a Goga Batatse jersey. We'd love to get an update on Goga. Uh, we'd love to see where he is in his second year. I think, you know, the first year was was a struggle for Goga, definitely, in terms of finding his feet in the NBA. The of the game was challenging for him. Yeah. How do you see him progressing through year two with, um, obviously, Nate Bjorkren, his positive attitude, his, you know, penchant for developing players? It's a really exciting time for him this year. It is. Uh, you know, what happens is a player comes in and you don't know exactly how to be as a rookie. And for Goga's first year, everything was a whirlwind. Like, the speed of the game, jumping on a plane, going to the next spot, going to dinner, eating breakfast – you know, the NBA is a whirlwind, and it, he had a he was challenged with that. Uh, I would say now he's calming down. He understands the speed. We've seen something on the court that we really like. Look, if you can do two things in this league as a big man, if you can block shots and you can shoot, it's special because on offense it gives you ability to spread the court more, and on defense, uh, block. Block shots is incredibly important. The defense at the rim, because everybody's trying to get a layup, a free throw, or a three. So if we have a guy that can on offense spread the floor and, and block some shots, it's still going to take some time. Bigs take time. You can't, you can't push the process too fast because what happens is they fail and then they lose confidence and then they're out. So for us, we want to keep him confident. His body looks great. He's gotten his body fat down. He has made a complete uh, 
commitment. His rookie year, he was kind of a jovial, fun guy. I can see he's serious now. I mean, really like that. And he's going to – it's too bad. I mean, he, his, his, his ankle looks like a grapefruit. It's just, it's just swollen. But it, he practiced today, and we expect big things out of him in the future. Hopefully in the – you know, the one thing I, I appreciate about Nate Bjorkren is he will play young players. He is not afraid to throw a player. We've seen it in the two exhibition games. In the fourth quarter, he throws out the young kids and says, guys, here, show us what you got. And it's not easy because what happens is it costs you a game or two. But so what? At the end of the day, it's not – we know how we can win in the regular season. we got to prepare for the, the playoffs. So you will see Agoga. You'll see him playing at a better level, and you'll see him more confident. I promise you. That's wonderful. Kevin, it's been a joy to speak to you on the Pacers today. We thank you so much for taking the time out. We know you're extremely busy. Uh, and we wish you, you and the team all the very best for this season. We hope it's an extremely successful one. We're going to have some fun, guys. Thanks for having me. And there it was, the interview with Kevin Pritchard, the president of basketball operations with the NAR Pacers. Uh, an incredible experience. Uh, we hope you've really enjoyed this video or the podcast if you're listening on uh, across many platforms. Alex, uh, if the uh, the viewers or listeners want to subscribe to the podcast or the show, where can they find us? You can find us on anywhere, man. Anywhere that has a podcast. Uh, Apple, Spotify, Transistor, we're on it. Uh, so yeah, go subscribe and plenty more episodes coming in the future. And Justin, we're all over social media as well. So please follow us for more content there, right? Yes, our main our main source being uh, Twitter at the Paceroos. We're also on Instagram as well, but majority of our uh, kind of contents on Twitter. So at the Paceroos. Awesome! Thanks very much, guys, for your time. Congratulations to us all. I think it was an awesome achievement. We can't lose sight of that. Uh, on to the next goal, though. So uh, I'm looking forward to us interviewing Adam Silver next. This has been the Paceroos podcast. Mm-hmm.